everybody. Welcome to the new edition of Points on the Board. This is your host for the night, Big John. Wonder why I got that nickname. But regardless <laughs> of that, I am one of those fantasy pioneers you hear others talk about. Yes, an OG in the fantasy industry. And yet, and yet, there's somebody even more OG than myself, if you could possibly believe that. I am speaking of none other than the one, the only, the Latino lover of fantasy <laughs> sports, none other than my good friend, William Del Pilar. And I hope I had the right uh, rolling of the R on that one, William Pilar. Actually, you're one of the few people who actually get it right. Del oh, Pilar, right. Pilar. Yeah. Pilar. Yeah. So eventually I grow to go, Del Pilar's fine. But now I'm like, no, it's Del Pilar. We are in the correct world, damn it. Do not sit there and uh, what's the term they say? Trigger me. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to trigger you. No microaggressions here. None of that snowflake stuff among real men on the show, uh, William. And uh, speaking of such, the show, of course, is all about sports, politics, pop culture, having a good time, the intersection thereof, thereof rather. And by the way, not the intersectionality we talk about with, with wusses nowadays, William. Old school intersectionality, literally where everything comes to a point. And that's where we want to be. That's the sweet spot uh, of where we want to talk, William. So to that end, let me bring on your foil for the evening. <laughs> now, this dude right here, I'm going to bring him on right now. Let's see if I can work this magic with the video, uh, William. Ladies and gentlemen, we are graced with the presence of none other than Dennis Velasco, a good friend of mine going back years, uh, the Bolo Young of fantasy sports, except this guy has more hair than Bolo Young ever did, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Whoa! Uh, Dennis Velasco, let me give you his credentials, and they are impressive. The editor-in-chief in charge of all the content at nerdfantasysports.com. He's contributed fat fantasy basketball uh, content to Sports Illustrated, uh, Slam Magazine, The Score, regular NBA contact uh, to the Nets Daily. Uh, all of he is the co-founder or the only founder, perhaps, of Hardcore and Hoops. The dude. Hardwood in Hollywood. Hard. That, I screwed that up. Hardwood and Hollywood shows you how old I am. I'm not with it. But Dennis is an original. He's one of the top minds of fantasy basketball, ladies and gentlemen. When he talks hoops, you know you have to listen. Dennis, how are you doing tonight? Feeling great. Great and grateful. Grateful every day. Grateful every day. Praise Jesus. Uh, <laughs> not a religious thing, but whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. I try to be nice to everybody. All right, Dennis. Now, listen, here's the thing. We brought you on to talk the trade deadline moves that were in the NBA last week. And more importantly, let's get right to the juicy one. The Nets and the Sixers, intra-divisional trade, very rare this, uh, this point of the season. Talk to us about Harden for Simmons et al. And what did you make of this trade? What are the implications? Well, I thought it was a trade that needed to be done from both teams. Ben Simmons hadn't been playing for the Sixers. You know, there's uh, beef there after what happened during last year's playoffs. James Harden just didn't seem to want to play with Brooklyn anymore. So both teams just, well, not got rid of because, you know, there's value there, but they traded away uh, players that did not want to be there. Um, 
made a lot of sense to happen. And I think, you know, if you had to pick a win winner of, you know, who won of, you know, of the trade, I would probably say Brooklyn. Um, if you want to think about money and talk about future and whatnot, only because James Harden is 32 years old, Ben Simmons is 25 years old, Ben Simmons has a controlled contract, you know, including this year uh, for three years, whereas James Harden is going to be an you know, unrestricted free agent after this season. Although as part of the trade, he's opting into his player option next year, which pays him $47 million. So, you know, if you want to think about money and the future, it's the Brooklyn Nets. If you want to talk about now, you know, I would probably give it to the Philadelphia 76ers, but it's this close. Mm. Um, only because now you have James Harden and Joel Embiid on the same team. That pick and roll is going to be literally unstoppable. Because who are you going to guard on that? Are you going to guard Harden? Well, then Joel Embiid's open. Are you going to like roll or go out to Joel Embiid? Well, James Harden's open now. So it's, it's going to be tough. You know, plus they have, you know, the better record. They're more uh, primed to make a deep playoff push versus the Nets. So, I mean, both teams win. It's just on how you see it. Dennis, uh, our audience is both politics and sports. So we're going to have some listeners who aren't as familiar with sports. So give us a little bit of a background uh, regarding both Ben Simmons and James Harden. Take whoever you want first. But we know, well, let's go with James Harden. Uh, I was told or read he was a prima donna, but he was so athletic. Whenever he'd take off after a game to go party, he could come back a day and a half later, two days later, and still put up 50. Eventually, a superstar in his own right, maybe a little, maybe his head was so big he couldn't fit through a door. But at the end of the day, it was said that he was calling a lot of the shots, ranging not just from players and who he wanted there, but also coaching staff. Can you expound on that and how that relationship went south? And then from there, we'll go to Ben Sim or Yes, Simmons. All right, well, James Harden does not have a big head. He has a big ass beard. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that um, is true. And as far as like him having any power, that was when he was on the Houston Rockets. It is true. Um, he basically said, okay, uh, let's get Dwight Howard. All right, I didn't work. See ya. Okay, let's get Chris Paul. Nah, that didn't work. See ya. All right, let's get Russell Westbrook. No, nah, that didn't work. Okay, see ya. So he was basically calling the shots there. And while he was there, he was you know, one of the top score. No, he was the top scorer, actually. He led the league in scoring, I think, four times. So, you know, he's one of the best offensive players ever. Um, so, you know, he, he sort of earned that right to, to do that because it is a superstar league. It, it just didn't translate into, you know, championships. I think the closest they got was going to the Western Conference Finals, but, you know, that's about but, it. And, of course, you know. Why is that? Golden State. Why is that? Because Michael Jordan had a bit of that same type of attitude, but he was able to bring the championships home. What's the difference between, I don't want you to, you know, I'm not putting you in the spot to compare the two per se, but Michael Jordan embodied greatness. It looks like James Harden embodies a great player, but not necessarily that greatness that delivers championships. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely a difference between, um, I saw this thing called, there's this thing called competitive stamina, right? James Harden doesn't really have that. He hasn't gone far. He's never won a championship. Whereas Michael Jordan 
one of the top athletes ever to have the competitive stamina. And by that, I mean, he did whatever it took to win. And then when he won, he wasn't satisfied. He wanted more. He wanted to keep going and going and going and going and win as many chips as possible. Now, obviously with a six and no record, you know, in the NBA finals and getting, you know, NBA finals MVP in all of them, wow. that competitive stamina just, you know, stands out. Um, but he also had the right role players. You know, he had his star in Scottie Pippen, you know, the sidekick, you know, the, the Robin to his Batman. And that's what James Harden was looking for, you know, by having all these different, uh, you know, s- talents and, you know, s- superstars to whatever degree on the Rockets. It just did not work out because they also didn't have the role players. You know, to win a championship, it's not that easy. You can't just have, you know, great players because it doesn't always work out. You look at, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you know, granted they only played 16 games together, but they didn't win a championship. Um, in the past, you've seen the Lakers do it with Kobe, Shaq, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, even Steve Nash, right? Howard, all great talents, but they did not win a championship. You know, there's a certain like chemistry and rhythm that a team needs um, to go as far as they do, because you're playing 82 regular season games and then two in the chip. Yeah, I went 16 more. You know what I mean? They get to deal with all the adversity. Um, how do teams cope when they lose? You know what I mean? Is it possible that where the Bulls were grown through the draft, through a supporting role players, and the other teams you mentioned, you didn't mention the Miami Heat, but I would include them in there too. These were mercenaries, brought all together at once. A lot of egos, a lot of, uh, you know, there's not enough basketballs to feed. Do you think that's one thing that separates Jordan and the Bulls? I don't want to get into Jordan and the Bulls, but in the sense of the greatness and Harding bringing the players he wanted in. I mean, he called the shots and got those players in, but still couldn't get it done. Right. Well, with Jordan, you know, and Scottie Pippen, you know, they did bring in Dennis Robin. They did brought in like a a Bill Cartwright, who was like, you know, pivotal for that first um, three-peat. You know, so it all depends. You need an alpha, right? Right. And you need um, someone that doesn't mind being alpha light or a beta. You know what I mean? Uh, but like- well, In politics, we know a lot of betas. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about like a long season and practices where Jordan would completely destroy all of his teammates, not because he was being a dick, but because he wanted to make them better. You know, it's like, match me. Like, I'm here at this level. You're here. I want to bring you up. It wasn't like, I'm up here. You're down here. You know, nana, nana, nana. you know what I mean? He wanted so is it, to make them but better. It was, but it was also that Jordan was a team player, too. I think that gets lost in his greatness was, for example, when he moved to point guard, when, um, when, uh, the point guard was injured his assists went up and his scoring went down because he realized that his role as being the point guard was to dish and to set up plays and to create for others and also unlike Harden Jordan was a genius defensive player I mean he was an awesome defender whereas Harden like as much as he gives you offensively he gives away defensively so when you look at that as a whole yeah if you've got a Harden then Who's the stopper to play alongside him? And and with the Nets, you didn't have that. And I think to your point, 
that's why Ben Simmons might be a better fit for the Nets, right? Oh, Ben Simmons is a completely better fit. You know, in fact, you know, it's come out recently where when the Nets traded for James Harden, the Philadelphia 76ers were actually going to be a part of a three-team trade. And the Nets were wondering if instead of James Harden, why don't we trade for Ben Simmons instead? So, you know what? That happened anyway, you know, obviously. So, again, Ben Simmons, who plays defense, but okay, Dennis, you still there? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, Dennis, real quick before we get to Ben Simmons, though, what caused the fallout with Houston? I mean, if 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 Harding's this much of a superstar, you just don't trade somebody like that away. What caused the fallout? And from there, what caused the fallout with Brooklyn once he got there? Well, in Houston, they just weren't going to win it. And James Harden is getting older. He wanted a ring. You know, they're basically in the rebuild mode, you know, with a superstar. James Harden didn't want to be a part of that. So that's the reason why he wanted out of Houston. As far as why he wanted out of Brooklyn, um, you know, we probably have to ask James Harden, but it, it comes down to almost the same thing. He didn't think he was going to win a title because Kevin Durant was hurt. Kyrie Irving was half man, half a season, as uh, Charles Barkley said. Um, but also, there are other things coming out where Kyrie Irving would completely destroy James Harden and lock him up, you know, during practices. So James Harden is a great offensive player, but Kyrie Irving was stopping him like nothing. And he actually called him washed. And their oh, wow. relationship, yeah, and their relationship was on shaky ground, so. Well, one thing I did read that, as I said earlier, when he was with the Rockets, you know, for example, if they played in Utah, I think you, you've mentioned before, he'd fly out to Vegas. And yeah. he could come back and still drop 50. However, he still was doing that, but he'd come back and couldn't drop 50 anymore. And, and there were the reports of him being fat and out of shape. Uh, how much of that is due to age? And he just, I mean, it sounds like he's blaming the other, the, his teammates, but it seems like he may have had some deficiencies as well because of age, attitude, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody at some point when they get older, they realize like, oh, damn, my metabolism is not there anymore. You know, I'm almost, half a century, I'm almost half a century year old, right? I mean, you know, I still got guns and whatnot. There you go. But, <laughs> but it's not like what it used to be. I used to have like cuts and everything like that. But guess what? Uh, I'm almost 50. I'm fighting two things, right? Fat assness and old assness. So, <laughs> you know, even we're both there with you, brother. Yeah. And, you know, even though, you know, you're an athlete, you get paid all this money. It's inevitable. You have to deal with all of that. And, you know, when I, what I mentioned earlier before about the age, you know, James Harden was 32, which is young, but for an athlete, that's old. And he yes. came out, of, you know, after one year at college. So he has a lot of NBA miles on him. Yeah. People don't realize the human body stops growing internally right around 27, 28. But from there, it's a downhill slide once you once you peak there. And it seems to me that well, I, so so before we go to Ben Simmons, and with with Harden going to Philadelphia, do you see him having the attitude to rekindle his 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 old play from Houston? Because he's what twelve year veteran, thirteen year veteran. He's in his thirteenth yeah. year, I think, right yeah. around there. 
So, so can he regain that lost magic and bring home a championship? Because remember, on paper, everything looks great for both the right. Nets and the Sixers, but you still got to play. Right. Well, let's, let's think about this, all right? So when, we're young, when, we were, when we were younger and we weren't, you know, locked up, you know, and handcuffed and married is what I'm saying. And, and you were dating, right? So you broke up with the girl, but then you got <laughs> this new girl, right? What was the feeling that you had? You felt rejuvenated. You're like, oh my God, you, you know, James Harden's feeling the same way. He's, I think he's going to be gangbusters once again this season, you know, for Philadelphia, which is why I think they're probably going to go pretty far. What about his, uh, before we move the final question, before moving to Ben Simmons, all reports, and if you look at the his final game there with the Nets, it looks like he quit. I mean, how does that hurt his, his reputation? And it doesn't really matter with the rest of the NBA, even though it does, but to his teammates on the 76ers, how are they going to view that? They're not going to care, you think, uh, based on his no, performance or no. what? They're not gonna. They're not gonna care at all. Um, the real damage for that will be his legacy, because there's gonna be a lot of plays where you see James Harden just dogging it on defense, and you'll see all these great offensive, you know, nights where he scores like fifty or whatever, you know, three points, step back, you know, taking to the hole. But then his detractors, and there are always detractors and haters. They're gonna say, "Oh yeah, but look at him on defense." So if anything, that hurts his legacy there. Although, you know, he's he's minted as one of the best offensive players in NBA history. So you, See, you right there kind of limit him right there. One of the greatest offensive players. It's kind of like yeah. I'm not saying you, but that's what's going to happen. And real oh, yeah. quick, before we go to Ben Simmons, one comment on Kyrie Irving. Do you find it unjust that he can't play his home games, but unvaxxed players from the visiting teams can? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. You know, I mean, I'm not a politician, uh, nor do I I want to be, but, you know, yeah, there you go. Um, It it makes no logical sense. Like, you know, let's just think logically. It's like, you know, it's all or nothing. These unvaccinated players can't play or unvaccinated players in your state can you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. It's you're, you're on the Del Pilar bandwagon there. It's, it's BS. Yeah. When yeah. I learned that, I was like, are you kidding me? And, and my first thought process is take him to court, but with the rules, with the contracts they sign and the unions that that's next to impossible, but it just seems completely unfair, not only to Irving, but the team and, and the fans, because Irving is taking a lot of heat, you know, yeah. and, and for me, I look at I look at all those NBA players. All, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic here, but I just got to say this: these are young, virile men in their physical prime. The odds, statistically, of them getting COVID and dying from it is slim to none. And and, and we act as if COVID's going to kill everything it touches. Now, when you're a big boy, you're like a COVID happy meal. But these athletes are far from that. Big John, any comments on that? Yeah, well, I was going to say the NBA out of all the sports leagues probably suffered the most from COVID, like especially when it first hit. Right. They, they canceled a bunch of games. Their schedule. I mean, talk to me and Dennis over at Nerd Fantasy Sports, uh, constantly having to redo the stats, redo the projections because the games were canceled and they were rearranged. Mm-hmm. You know, so they suffered a lot. They lost a lot of revenue because of that. Now. To that extent, I understand why they demand sort of vaccination and they're pushing it. I get it. 
but at the same time, the, the New York restrictions are ridiculous. And it, like even someone like me that's pro-vaccination, um, the even Silver, the commissioner of the of the NBA, came out and said, I think this week, he said, look, it just doesn't make sense. We need some clarity here, right? Like, so right. an unvaccinated player from another part of the country where it's not mandated in his home state, he comes to Brooklyn. He goes to Madison Square Garden. He goes to the Barclays Center. He can play. Exactly. But Kyrie Irving, playing right next to him, can't play in his home game. Right. So it's it's kind of nonsense, right? So I agree with you guys there that it's inconsistent, and it's really on New York. I view it as less an NBA issue and more New York issue. So hopefully uh, this new mayor uh, that they have in New York City, uh, uh, um, Adams, uh, maybe he'll get it. Maybe he, maybe he maybe he's a Nets fan and he wants to see Kyrie on the court. Maybe he'll change the mandates. But um, don't hold your breath. The guy's listen, talking listen. about vegetarian as people are murdered in his city. Come on now. Well, yeah. I think one of one of the rumors is they're getting a new health commissioner the beginning of the next month, and that Adams was waiting for that new health commissioner before he actually does change the rule. You're talking about um, a health commissioner for New York City or something. Right, for New York City. Yeah, yeah. So when that happens, we'll see what happens. You know, Probably one of the a relative things, of the mayor. <laughs> it's one, one of the things with the Nets where um, people were saying, well, why don't you just pay the fine then, you know, for Kyrie Irving to play? Because, you know, that's the most that would happen. But there was a lot of kickback from the league saying, no, you cannot break your state's rules or your city's rules. Um, but now with Adam Silver saying it's a dumb rule, maybe the NBA will be like, okay, just pay the fine. We'll let them play. But, you know, we're not well, going to like, hold it against you. That's a big thank you to the fans and the citizens who are finally rising up. I mean, you watch the Super Bowl. There's a stadium of, what, 85,000 people with no masks, including all the elites who demand masks be worn, going maskless. And I think people see that and they're going enough. And that's emboldening some, some people in businesses where it, like basketball, where it hurts them. So, so hopefully that will change. All right. Talk to us about Ben Simmons, a little bit about his background. In fact, he gave his first press conference or spoke to the media for the first time, I think in about a year, uh, from what I've read about him, he was a head case, uh, a little bit nuts out there, but, uh, uh Expound on that for, for some of our political friends here who aren't too familiar with Simmons in yeah, Philadelphia. Well, I wouldn't say that he's a head case. You know, it's like, you know, mental health. You don't know what someone else is going so through. So he has mental health issues? I mean, that's what they're saying. Gotcha. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's been a while. You know, that's been known. And, you know, I'm not surprised that he does. Uh, one, because he's kind of, now he's playing for my team. All right, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. I'll say that. <laughs> but, you know, he, he's kind of soft and not because of his mental health. He's just soft on the court. So that means he's not producing. For example, the reason why this all blew up with Philadelphia was, you know, in the playoffs, he could have won a game by taking the ball and actually dunking it. And he had every opportunity to. There's like no defenders ready to you know, challenge a shot. But instead of going for the dunk, he actually passed it outside. Oh, wow. So a lot of people were like, yeah, what the, you know, and Joel Embiid called him out on it. Doc Rivers basically blamed him for the loss. And, you know, that's just what set off. Well, uh, that's when it all started, right? With yeah. Simmons and Philly. And 
Uh, we know how Philadelphia fans can be. Oh, man. And they're it. not buying any of it. Like, um, when you talk about he may or may not have mental health issues, as you said, I don't know if they're, quote, legitimate or not. I, I leave that to others. But it, in the minds of those Philly sports talk fans, man, it is it was all a hoax, you know, that, that he, <laughs> you know, that Ben Simmons faked mental health issues so he could get out right. of Philly and force their hand with the trade. And look, I agree with you. He was, he comes off as soft, as good a defender as he is. He's not the like Lambeer, Rodman, bad boy defender, right? He's not that type of defender, but right. uh, that, but, but, you know, you were talking about Michael Jordan and what made him great. He was a killer on the court. Yes. Yes. He didn't care who was in front. His mama could have been, def he would have posterized his mama if he, if he thought it would get him a ring, right? He, he took no mercy on the court. Uh, he talked trash. He, he, like, to put it plainly, he was a big old SOB on the court. You know, all the greats are like that. Yeah, Isaiah I don't Thomas, disagree. Larry right. Bird, Michael Jackson. Well, Larry yeah. Bird was one of the worst, yeah. right, in terms of that. <laughs> uh, but when you see someone like Simmons, where, like, instead of, driving to the hoop and and saying give me the ball at the right time he like you said dennis he decided to pass it off that right. does not play well with teammates that doesn't play well with fans and maybe just maybe he needs he needed that fresh start whether like i don't know whether he quote unquote faked any issues to get out of philly um but I don't know. Do you think it was a put on or do you think he, he just sincerely had trouble getting back on the court? Because a lot of athletes have that, right? Um, if you look at um, Calvin Ridley for the Falcons in the NFL, uh, he, he basically canceled out his entire season due to mental health issues. And he came out and said, I have to work on my, you know, uh, Everson, uh, Everson Griffin in Minnesota. Uh, had severe issues that apparently the team knew about. He locked himself in his house and started shooting at phantom, right. uh, phantom intruders. So on a larger scale, I would ask Dennis and maybe also William for you to chime in. What is our, why do we think this is happening now? Is it, is it, uh, <laughs> is it a conditioning that we say, well, you should have, in, to some extent, some mental issues or mental health issues? Is it that we're creating, like if we took it from some people's point of view, are we creating softer athletes that just can't handle the mental grind anymore? Is it COVID? Is it a lot of different, like how, do you have any sort of uh, gut feeling about that? Well, when it comes to Simmons, I will say for years, it's been a battle between him and Joel Embiid for this is my team. Right. Uh, obviously, it's Embiid's team. I don't think it would ever have been Simmons' team, but Simmons thought that it could be his team. Um, and then last year with the problem, you know, in the playoffs, it's just amplified, right? Oh, you know, he, he didn't go in for the dunk. He passed the ball. You know, that just made it worse. So considering all that stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if his mental health is legitimately, you know, um, disabled or whatever you want impacted. to say. Impacted, there you go. Um, but, 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 you know, again, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised and, you know, I wouldn't make fun of anyone 
that had like legitimate problems. It's not. Um, yeah, we're not think, the, the Philly fans may f- make fun. Let's, oh, let's be clear. Like, yeah. I'm saying like the yeah. Philly, and and these are the ones who famously attacked uh, Santa Claus in the Central right. States. And, and cheered, then they defended by saying Santa Claus was a drug. <laughs> right. And, and didn't they also cheer when uh, Michael Irvin, Irvin uh, like had his career ended yeah. at the Stadium? So, I mean, the tough crowd, tough crowd. In oh, big time. But, but look, when you're talking about athletes at that level, as much as we knock them because retired players and agents have told me this, never an active player, but retired players have told me we've never been told no. You know, in fact, in Houston, one of the anonymous sources for the Rockets said James Harden has never been told no. You know, uh, so when so we always say that, but at the same time, they're under a lot of pressure with these monster contracts. They oh, yeah. are playing a physical game every night. Their bodies get torn down. In in war, it's PTSD. But what people don't realize in our own lives, in our own minds, we all encounter PTSD through something traumatic. It may not be traumatic to somebody else, but it affects us that way. People may not remember Mark Wilson, a quarterback coming out of Brigham Young, played for the Raiders, was the next great thing. His record was like 11 and two on average. I mean, he's a winner, but he wasn't a leader. He got beat down and he was never the same QB in the pros as he was in, in, in college. Right. Uh, David Carr, hold on. Is I was going to say David Carr. That David was the Carr, next example. That yeah. offensive line, he was running for his life. And they, I, this, I know for a fact, we were told, man, he's been beaten down. He sees a body where there's no body coming at him now. And that kind of ended his career. Now he's a great NFL analyst. So he's come back, but maybe Ben Simmons, uh, something happened, but it culminated with not taking the dunk and he has never been able to handle that pressure. And finally, some people as great a talent, they may have alpha dog talent, but they're not alpha dogs and they're better suited for, for, for a number two role or, or, or it's kind of like Abbott and Costello. You know, you have the straight man and the comedic, you know, all the pressure was on, uh, uh, on Costello to make people laugh and Abbott just played the straight man. Is that right? I think I'm getting right. But the yeah. point is, that's how I see Ben Simmons. He's soft-spoken. He he does not, to me, have that alpha dog. If I'm a general manager, just looking from the outside, because inside is completely differently. I'm like, that's not who I want to bring in to be my Michael Jordan. Instead, he'll be my Steve Kerr or something like that. Does that make sense, gentlemen? Yeah, man, that's a real insult to Ben Simmons by saying he's going to be Steve Kerr. But, you know. Hey, 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 how many rings does Steve Kerr have? At the end yeah. of the day, it's about championships, isn't it? Right, right. <laughs> but you know, it's like not not everybody can be Kobe Bryant. You know, when Kobe Bryant was drafted, um, basically it was Shaq's Lakers team. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but Kobe was like, no, no, I'm gonna be the man because he has that Michael Jordan, you know, dog mentality. So that's why they feuded. And you know, there's this story where one time Kobe Bryant was just like destroying everybody in practice. And you know, Shaq wasn't there yet, but when he, when Shaq came in his teammates were like, yo, Kobe's like being a real asshole. He's like not passing the ball. He just keeps attacking. So Shaq's like, all right, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So Shaq goes to Kobe. Hey, Kobe, there's no I in team. And Kobe responded, but there's I in win, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but ironically, you know? Kobe didn't get a ring until Shaq showed up. Well, I mean... Or it could be the other way around. You know no, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because Sheck had two losses in the finals <clears throat> before going well, there. Right. But not even that. Kobe won two more 
with Shaq gone. You know, Shaq won another one with the Miami Heat, but that wasn't his team. That was Dwayne Wade's team. So that was mercenaries for hire. When I think of mercenaries for hire. No, no, no. That was before LeBron. Before LeBron, before Chris Bosch, um, Dwayne Wade won a won a ring um where he led the team and the second best player was was Shaquille O'Neal. You know what's interesting is when I think about it, back in the days of uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde the Glide, those guys, right? None of those oh, guys. Clyde the Glide, oh my God. None of, those, none of those guys in the offseason ever got together and said, hey, uh, let's pick a city where we're all going to sign with and we'll win a ring, right? Like what happened with with uh miami more recently right with right. you know like bosch and those guys and someone i was listening to said that's because back then each one of those guys wanted to prove that they were the man right so right. so like patrick ewing wouldn't talk to jordan and say hey man you either you sign with the knicks or i'll sign with the bolts and we'll never lose you you know why that never happened because patrick ewing would rather die than admit that <laughs> that, that uh, Jordan had one up on him. Same thing with Larry Bird, right? But it seems like players today, with few exceptions, might be willing to settle for that, Dennis. Don't you think that like, yeah. hey, why don't the three of us get together and no one can beat us? And right. I don't ever, do you remember that happening, say, 15, 10, 15 years ago? Well, you know, guys, well, yeah, yeah. it was different too. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, you know, back in the day, you know, they weren't really friends. They weren't hanging out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nowadays, like everybody's friends with LeBron. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. no, seriously, everybody yeah. loves LeBron, and you know, no one's really trying to kill him like that. You know, um, you know, back then, Michael Jordan, he would like destroy you if you played ping pong with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was just that competitive. You know, it's a totally different era. Um, it's a lot. You know, I hate to say it because it sounds like that old old man saying get off my right. lawn right. but nowadays just players are just like kind of soft and they want to be validated and they want to be liked no it's true you know it's like it's a social media world where it's like how many likes can i get how many comments can i get you know what i mean how many followers can i get you know, whereas back in the day it was like who gives a fuck <laughs> you know what i mean i don't need to be liked i just need rings Right. Exactly. And gentlemen, I apologize. Actually, Kobe was on the Lakers team when they beat the Magic, I think, in the finals. Oh, yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's other great players uh, in, in regards to that. Sean Kemp, Dominique Wilkins, they, you know, I don't think they won championships, but I could be wrong, but they were part of that group, too, in the sense they were superstars in their own right. Uh, different era different type of players, more alpha dog mentality where they could carry, uh, you know, some of those teams that these players who didn't have championships, it's because they were the team, you know, the, the right. one thing we forget about, about the Celtics, the, 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 the Bulls, the, the, the Pistons, the Lakers, they had teams, you know, because as, as, as you said, what Shaq said, there's no I in team, you know, at the end of the day, it's a team sport still, and you still need a team around you to win it all. But to me, that also, it saddens me because it shows the greatness of those players. I mean, Dominique Wilkins with the, with the Hawks, I believe, the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, he was so dominant. And Sean Kemp could literally take over a game. See, that's when I watched basketball. Basketball turned me off. When he wasn't making babies, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But basketball <laughs> started to turn me off when – 
when, uh, in my opinion, the NBA looked the other way uh, to allow Shaq to go play for the Magic with the tampering. And then I'm watching the Portland series, like watching Shaq barreling down, literally like Ferdinand the Bull, just knocking players over. And there's the ref. And then doesn't call anything. I'm like, come on, ref. I know the league's probably said, it's good for basketball if the Lakers make the finals. But, but things, I mean, it just turned me off so much. I kind of turned the channel off for many years from basketball uh, because of that. But at the end of the day, I, 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 look at, I look at Shaq and Kobe as some of the last great players because that was before Cable really took over. Because now with Cable, everything's so fragmented. As great as James Harding is, uh, half the people don't know who he is because uh, television has been so fragmented compared to the old days. Yeah. So real quick, then uh, you kind of hinted at it uh, 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 for the audience. You're a Brooklyn fan, uh, but and, and there could be both teams could be winners. But at the end of the day, who do you see uh, out of those two teams getting the better end for this year? Because I would imagine both teams still look at a championship this year as a, as a viability. Oh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, being a realist for this year, the Sixers. Um, they, they will definitely go for the Nets, but if I had to choose who would win the NBA finals, I, I'm still going with the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat. So, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter Sixers or Nets, because I think the Bucks will take it only because they are a team. Um, if you look at every NBA finals, you know, winning team, you can say they're all super teams because you need at least, you know, two superstars and great role players. You know, it's very rare where a championship winning team does not have a superstar you know, or two superstars. The only ones that come to mind are the Detroit Pistons when they had Chauncey Billups, not a superstar, Richard Hamilton, not a superstar, Rashid Wallace, not a superstar, um, Ben Wallace, not a superstar. And when Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks beat the Heat that first year um, when LeBron and, as you say, the mercenaries came and the Mavericks beat them because you only had one superstar, Dirk Nowitzki, and then everybody else was a role player. So, yeah. but if you look at every single team, the, the Showtime Lakers, Magic, Kareem, James Worthy, superstars. Uh, you look at, you know, the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, superstar, Joe Dumas, Bill Lambeer, Dennis Robbins, stars. Uh, right. you, you, you know, you go Celtics, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, superstars. Ainge, great role player. Like every single team has at least two superstars or one superstar and a collection and two, one or two stars and then a collection of role players. Um, except, except for Showtime, I haven't seen the the, the miniseries that's coming out, but I, I mean that was my era as a kid, loving. I mean Magic Johnson, you know oh, yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean th there was a team of superstars there. James Worthy, uh, even yeah. though I don't think Worthy actually was as good as uh, the legends want to make him out to be, he was still his own star in, in his own right. Well, that that was. I mean, those were those Celtics and, and and Lakers. People probably don't remember this, but in the regular season, they were ratings like it was finals, playoff time between those two teams. It, it was incredible to watch them, fun to watch them. Because you're right, Larry Bird. We never saw it, but then you read about it. He was a bleep talking mf'er, you know, on oh, the yeah. court. Yeah. You know? So. Hey. I was going to ask Dennis one more thing before we uh, let him go. But one of the thing is, as always, I'm also interested in winning a little money, Dennis. So I'm going to lean on your expertise here. 
the odds for NBA MVP. Okay. Uh huh. Joel Embiid, your boy there, is well, the not odds, my boy. He's but... the odds-on favorite. All right, yeah. at plus one twenty-five. We've got Jokic at plus three twenty-five. You've got a fellow Greek of mine, Giannis, over there at plus three seventy-five. Curry at plus eight hundred. Who would you put a couple of bucks on? I mean, Embiid's gonna win. You think I mean, Embiid's got it locked? Uh, yeah, it's almost no. I mean, with twenty games left, he has to get injured for him not to win it, or you need a James Harden, you know, crying session for him not to win it. <laughs> you know, so Joel Embiid's gonna win. I who's think, a, who's yeah. a dark horse? Who's a long shot? John Morant. Memphis John Grizzlies. Morant. Okay, so John Morant. I'm I'm quickly looking at the odds right here. John Morant is coming off at plus twelve hundred or twelve to one odds. Yeah. So I guess if some people wanted to layer their their bets, you're saying put some money on Joel Embiid, safe money to win the MVP, mm-hmm. and then if you feel like taking a shot, put maybe like uh, hedge it a bit uh, with John Morant at twelve at plus twelve hundred. Oh yeah, especially if the Memphis Grizzlies keep winning. Um, you know, post All Star break, you know they can all come back you know, healthy John Moran's going is he's going to be right up there with Joel Embiid for sure. Fair enough. Hey, William, uh, I'll give you the chance to interrogate Dennis before we let him go. Well, Dennis, we're going to bring you back on and, and, and I want to talk a bit more in depth on the NBA in China issue. Uh, I believe they're hypocrites uh, because at the end of the day, the only color that matters to most people who are rich already is a color green. But that's oh, yeah. a topic for another day. However, I wanted to get your take on Waj and Brian Windhorse. Brian Windhorse seemed to have had this trade peg from day one, whereas Waj was backtracking, uh, trying to save egg from my, from his face the, when the trade did go down, saying, oh, they're talking trade now, talking trade now. I don't buy that because you don't make a trade like that just overnight. That's got to be talked through with the players, contracts, issues, etc. What's your take? Did Waj end up having egg on his face or did Windhorse get lucky? And, and um, what was Dennis Velasco's original take? Did he see a trade coming down? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I was talking to some other, like, you know, Nets fans and, you know, actual Nets writers. And I was like, this trade needs to happen. And it's going to happen. Only because you can see in James Harden's body language, he did not want to be there. And for me, I was thinking more about, okay, he's an unrestricted free agent. You're taking a chance that he's going to resign. Um, so now that he's with the Sixers and he's already opted into his uh, next year's contract, after that, the reason why you, for, you, you know, trade for G, uh, James Harden, because you're going to sign him to Supermax. So 32 this year, 33 next year, you sign him to Supermax. So when he's 37, 38 years old, you're paying that guy six, $62 million dollars on that Supermax contract. Makes no sense. I didn't want the Nets to do that. I'm glad the trade happened. Um, so did I call it? I don't know if I called it. I was calling for it. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. And as far as like, you know, uh, Windhorse and uh, Wojnar- uh, Woj or Wojnarowski, um, Woj basically uh, was speaking for Sean Marks because apparently, and you know, the rumor is, that Sean Marks, you know, at one point, yeah, he was thinking about the trade, but then he said, no, I don't want to do the trade. And that's when Woj said, oh, no, a trade's not happening, because that's what he was hearing from Sean Marks. Uh, Windhorst or Wendy, um, he, was probably, he was probably, you know, talking to Daryl Morey, 
who's you know head of basketball operations for the Sixers. So it was more about who's leaking what and to whom, you know, in you know, in this case, Wendy and Woj. So when the deal was gonna go down, the reason why you had that 180 from Woj was because Sean Marks was saying, okay, we're we are actually gonna trade him. So I don't know if you can say that they're battling against each other, like this internal ESPN battle. Well, actually, they're, they're when just they, insider games, they do. I mean, that, that they, they fight for those scoops because that means more money come contract time. So, right. uh, and Waj has said, I mean, he's seen as, as, as the, uh, what's the term here, John? Uh, he's dean. seen as the standard. The yeah, standard the dean there. of NBA reporting. Yeah, yeah uh, I would disagree with that. I think the guy, I and mean, he's actually broken lately a lot more than Woj is Shams Charania from the from the But he's the up and comer. Waj is still no. I I would say he's on as far as Mike Tyson up and coming. As far as breaking news goes, I would definitely put Shams right up there with Woj, if not above him, because he breaks a lot of stuff. Um, And and for the audience, I can tell you directly, and and we talked about this before. Is what makes him impressive is Woj has ESPN. So when Woj calls, the water boy's going to call. Everybody's going to call him back. So so uh, what this other kid's done is to build his own uh, 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 connections through his own hard work. And that's what I find impressive. To me, as we I've talked about, that is greatness. Right. You know? Well, you know, we can't discount how how great actually Woj is. I mean, he no, put no, we're a not lot discounting of work that. We're not yeah. discounting it, but there's no discounting the power of having ESPN behind you. Oh, it's no, kind of, but he wasn't always with ESPN. You know, he wasn't always with the ESPN. I mean, I remember him because he's a Jersey writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually wrote one of my favorite books, um, Miracle of St. Anthony, about, you know, um, Bob Hurley, senior. So I remember Woj before ESPN. Um, he's obviously worked to that point. But, yes, his job is a lot easier nowadays because of those four letters. Oh yeah, they have to work hard to get there. I've known some reporters who have, uh, when Schefter got the job over at NFL Network, I knew reporters just as good as him. But Schefter had the face, the look, the personality compared to the two or three other guys that I knew who were more better informed. The reason I knew that is they were, they when I would talk to them, they'd get angry because certain insiders would call him to pick their brains. And there was a bit of jealousy there. He's like, man, I'm doing all the work. And this guy's right. getting all the credit in the, in the contract. And my take, well, I didn't say a word there. I didn't want to piss off my guy who I was getting info from. But right. I was like, that's life, you know? Yeah. Matthew Berry's a fantasy guy. Yeah, Big John and I are sitting here. Of course, we never tried. I never tried for that type of stuff. It was always about the company first. But he saw his shtick, ran with it. And so you give Woj credit for that. And that's who, as much as I was trying to play him off just now, Windhorse would would love to be seen as as a Woj, you know? Yeah, I mean, and this explains why I'm not a big-time NBA reporter. I don't have the face. I might have the hair. I don't have the face. No, you got the face. You got the personality. You got the (laughs) guns, brother. You got the guns. Show off them guns again. Yeah, you got the guns. Something for the ladies. There you go. All right. (laughs) Dennis, Dennis, as always, uh, it was great having you on to talk some hoops. And we're going to have you on regularly uh, through the course of our podcasting. So uh, for the folks out there, if you want to read more, uh, from Dennis and his staff of NBA writers, of whom I, I hear someone tell me 
uh, there's a little bloodline going on over oh, there yeah. with the Velasco's now, right? Oh, yeah. He's going to be better than me, man. Go ahead, man. Be be proud on that kid All of right. yours. So my son, Holden Velasco, you know, he's been writing about the NBA, even for Hollywood and Hollywood, you know, ever since, you know, he was young. Um, he's writing now for Nets Daily. He's interning at Slam, which is the Bible of basketball. And, you know, as a comparison, Slam is to basketball as Vogue is to fashion. So, you know, it's a big deal. He recently had some articles published on Slam. That's, so, you know, very proud of him. And, you know, the goal for your children is always to be better than you. So, yeah, better than me. I agree. And, and uh, you know, just for everybody out there, I, I've worked with Holden a little bit. He's, he's a great kid, takes after his old man, works hard uh he's he's not one of these like give me give me give me kids he goes out and he hustles for everything oh, he knows oh, yeah. how to work hard and you could tell he was raised right by his daddy so uh uh good for big you, congrats Dennis, on that and and big congrats Thank on you. that and you know what we'll talk to you soon brother see you guys all right appreciate you all right so there's uh there's dennis velasco and uh William, I'll let you take it from there. Well, it was great to have Dennis, and we're yes. going to bring him around for the playoffs to give us some insight. John and I are football guys. I'm a football, baseball, and a couple of other sports. As I said, I kind of tuned out NBA. I got back into it because of work, but it's it's a grind. And and yeah. having somebody like Dennis to come here and give us the intricacies of, of of trades, how he sees things. I mean, obviously he's written for Slam before, so yeah. uh, and works for you now. So it's yeah. good to have. And I think we're going to sit there and uh, call it a night. But first of all, I'd like for everybody who watches this, make sure you check us out on Facebook at sportsgrumblings.com on Facebook. Uh, feel free to comment there. We're going to be posting our podcast and our sites being wrapped up in development and being built. When I approached John about doing this, it was, it wasn't a spur of the moment thing, but you know, we're old. So it was back and forth. And John has a hell of an agent had to get through that person. <laughs> you know, what's your name? <laughs> so with that, we will see you next time and everybody take care and be safe out there. That's right. Everyone check us out again next week. Will, William Del Pilar, as I've learned not to properly roll my R's like an authentic Latino. Wait, Latino? Latinx? What oh, my it? God. What is it, William? What oh, is no, it? no, 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 no. Uh, the only people who believe in that Latinx What's are that? the white people who put the name on Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're telling me no self-respecting Latino ever uses the word Latinx to refer to themselves? I, yes, I do. But on the serious side, 95% yeah. of Latinos do not like that. So really? that alone says something, you know, it's, I just, it's like, look, stop trying to classify us. We're not all short and brown. Some of us are short <laughs> like me and look like me. So uh, uh, in fact, look at you, you've yeah. got darker skin than I do. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I like if, uh, in my younger days, people passed me for an Arab. I used to get frisked all the time at airports. Uh, it's that olive complexion that I used to have uh, and still have to some extent. But there's an uh, industry insider who is yeah. Jewish. Yeah. And I used to always tease him, dude, they're going to stop you at the freaking airline there for being a terrorist. And he'd look, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, but, you know, it's a big thing around here. And um, like you and I come from cosmopolitan areas, if we want to refer to them that way, urban areas. Yeah. And if I'm a, 
but we're also old school where we can make fun of things like this. Oh, the sure, sure, sure. Right now, somebody's getting oh, triggered. Somebody's losing their mind right now. Yeah, if and someone, and is, someone listening to points on the board tonight is going to be like, how dare they uh, say something about Latinx? That's, that's, we're trying to be inclusive with that. Well, you know, maybe some people don't want to be part of the board. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe yeah, some five out of a hundred people don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, maybe some people, maybe some people prefer to see themselves as individuals and not part of a collective. Thank you. Right. Thank you. So Thank you. I despise terms like Latinx, even though it doesn't affect me personally. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I despise Latinx, William. I despise things that'll be like um, anything that makes you part of an identity group. Uh, beyond your individual traits. I hate that sort of thing. So like, I have no problem if you come up to me and say, you're a nerd. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, look, you're it's a nerd, our job. Right? We take that proudly now. We take that proudly because that's what we are. It's a trait of ours, but like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be, you know, like I don't, I didn't vote for Michael Dukakis because I'm Greek. I didn't vote for anybody else because I'm Greek or they're Greek or anything else, right? I would assume right. it's the same with you. You don't you don't need jerk vote for Latinos. Just oh my God, I hear Latinos. it. I hear it from Republicans here in San Diego County because I'm not a fan of the state party chair who's Latina. And they're shocked that I'm not because she's Latina. And they assume I'm in love. I'm like, no, I look at her policies. What's she doing to help us? And not us as a people, but right. help the Republican Party because we are a socialist democratic state out here. And I don't say that derogatorily. I say it as fact. Right. The Board of Supervisors in the recall election up in San Francisco lists himself uh, a Board of Supervisor member as a socialist Democrat. <laughs> it's like, so so they get shocked that I don't go on board just because somebody's of the same culture. Right. Like, I don't care if you're white, black, green, whatever. I want to know your values and if they align with my values. And that is opportunity for every American. And with that, John, I think we should call it a night. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. So again, everyone, thank you for joining us on this episode of Points on the Board. Join us again next week when we'll be back with more stuff. <laughs>